Cyber Sermon 9, Sunday the 17th of May. Plan ahead. The following are the readings which form the basis of the sermon. Genesis 41, verses 14 to 33, and Luke 12, verses 16 to 21. Today's Cyber Sermon begins with Robert Burns' poem, To a Mouse, read by David Russell. To a moose, we sleek it, cowering, timorous beastie. Oh, what a panics in thy breastie. Thou needna start a was a hasty with bickering brattle. I would be laith to run and chase thee with murdering prattle. I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union and justifies that ill opinion which makes thee startle at me, thy poor earthborn companion and fellow mortal. I doubt now, whiles, but thou may thieve. What then, poor beastie, thou maun live? A daemonicker is a th- in a thrave. It's a small request. I'll get a blessing with a life and never miss it. Thy wee bit hoosie too in ruin. It's silly woes the winds are strewing. And Nathan now to pick a new inn, O Focage Green, and bleak December's winds ensuing. Bath snell and keen. Thou saw the fields laid bare and waste, and weary winter coming fast, and cosy here beneath the blast, thou thought to dwell, till crash the cruel cooter passed out through thy cell. That wee bit heap of leaves and stibble has cost thee mony a weary nibble. But thou's turned out for all thy trouble, but house or hold, to throw the winter's sleety dribble and cranruch cold. But Moosey, thou art no thy lane, in proven foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men gang after glee and leave us not but grief and pain for promised joy. Still thou art blessed compared with me, the present only touches thee. But och, I backward cast my ye on prospects drear, and forward though I canna see, I guess and fear. Good morning and welcome to what would have been our right angle service. The theme today is on planning ahead. and We have one reading from the Old Testament and one from the New. Genesis 41, 14 to 33 is the well-known story of Joseph interpreting the dreams of the king of Egypt 
as a result of which he was put in charge of the storage of crops during the years of abundance, in order that people would not starve during the years of famine. Luke 12, verses 16 to 21, is the parable of the rich fool who decided to build ever bigger barns so that he could enjoy life. There is also reference to a few other passages which I shall deal with as we go. However, I would also ask you to listen to David Russell's rendition of the best laid plans of mice and men. And to help with the interpretation, you will find the words posted as an attachment. Now, my daughter Catherine said to me that one of the sadnesses of the current lockdown is when she looks at her diary and sees the things she should have been doing and knowing that they are now postponed indefinitely or cancelled. Now, I'm sure that Catherine's diary is fuller than mine, but I do know what she means. I like to plan ahead, so when I first sat down to write up some notes for this service at the end of April, I should have been due to preach at Marsh Green URC in the morning and help at the end of the London Marathon in the afternoon. But not all days are like that. There are lots of meetings and trainings, as well as fun things like Meg's 100th birthday party in May, a pop concert in July, and a family holiday in August. Catherine herself was planning to move house, and my daughter Emily was planning her wedding. All put on hold. I am sure you have all had similar experiences. It reminded me of Robbie Burns' poem, The Best Laid Plans of Mice and Men, which speaks of a ploughman coming across the nest of a harvest mouse, which she has gone to great lengths to create. The ploughman says, I'm truly sorry man's dominion has broken nature's social union, which is prophetic in itself. But it then goes on to say, But mouse, you are not alone in proving foresight may be in vain. The best laid plans of mice and men go often askew and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. The best laid plans of mice and men go often askew and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. So, should we plan ahead? Undoubtedly. There's a saying which goes, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. The elders have recently gone through a series of training sessions with Andy Twilly. The last one was conducted successfully on Zoom, and this last session was on preparing for meetings. He was clear that the agenda and accompanying papers should be distributed well in advance so they could be considered properly. In Andy's words, so the elders could reflect prayerfully on their contents. To reflect prayerfully. I should come back to that because this is an important element of this podcast. As an aside, you'll be interested to know that on Wednesday the elders started consideration of a paper prepared by Church House about how churches might operate in the future, getting back to the new normal. But can we over-prepare? I've been having a clear-out recently and I came across a classic example of this I was informed 2D at school and we were told by our history teacher as Christmas approached that the following term we would have to do a lengthy project on Shakespeare. The news was not greeted with enthusiasm. However, we had two weeks off school over Christmas and the weather was bad so I thought I would get all 37 pages out of the way so I wouldn't have to worry about it. On the 3rd of January we returned to school to the news that our history teacher had left and there was a new teacher in post. To almost universal joy, 
the class learnt he wasn't remotely interested in Shakespeare. However, for me, my planning ahead had been a complete waste of time. Throughout my younger years, I had many changes of plans. In common with virtually every other schoolboy, in 1966, I was going to be a professional footballer when I grew up. By the end of the decade, I was going to join the army. I went to university to read engineering, but I changed to geography after two weeks. On graduation, I was lined up to do a teaching training course, but at the last minute, I saw a job advertised for a trainee surveyor. And the rest is history. Throughout that period and since, I have met many Christians who have influenced me to a greater or lesser degree, which I should tell you about some other time. But it is now clear to me that despite my plans, God had others for me. As it is said in Jeremiah's letter, chapter 29, verse 11, I alone know the plans I have for you. I alone know the plans I have for you. All I needed to do was prayerfully reflect. So have we collectively planned ahead for the current crisis? After all, we've had enough warnings. The emergence of HIV in the 1980s and in this century, the SARS epidemic in 2003, MERS in 2012, Ebola in 2014. These last three all started in animal hosts and moved to humans. The writing was on the wall, but we didn't plan ahead. You could say it's difficult to plan for something that may not happen, although that doesn't seem to apply to nuclear warheads. There's also a tendency to see it as someone else's problem somewhere far away. But far away doesn't exist anymore when you and the virus can get anywhere in the world in 24 hours. Not only does there seem to have been no contingency planning, but in the era of austerity, the stocks of personal protection equipment were allowed to dwindle. It appears that the only preparedness came from individuals in this country, comically hoarding toilet rolls, and in America, tragically buying up guns. I have referred to some mistakes I have made in planning as an individual, and also as part of this democratic country. So how would God have us prepare? Let's look at the Bible passage from the New Testament, the parable of the rich fool. In it, the rich man grew more crops than he could handle, so he decided to tear down his barns and build bigger ones and then live a life of ease. What he didn't appreciate was that he was about to lose his life. On the one hand, you could commend him for being wise and planning for the future. He had worked hard and invested wisely, so why shouldn't he enjoy the fruits of his labours? Unfortunately, he made two main mistakes. Firstly, he speaks only of himself. It is apparently his achievement that he has been successful in growing all these crops, and his plans for the future involve no one but himself and revolve around taking life easy. He therefore shows himself to be very isolated and values things rather than people. In so doing, he expresses no sense of gratitude to God or to the workers who have helped him to harvest the bumper crop, and consequently no thought of sharing it with others or what God might require of him. As a result, he couldn't live life in all its fullness. Secondly, he was worried about securing his future on earth and forgot about the temporal nature of our existence here. We are only stewards of the things of this world and whilst we must look after them, our focus should not be on building up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven.
Having possessions is not wrong. It is putting your security on them that is wrong. The rich man is not condemned for being rich. He is condemned for being self-centered, for not using his surplus to help others, and for leaving God out of his life. So let us now turn to the Old Testament passage, which is again about barns, how Joseph built them on behalf of the people of Egypt, so they could plan for the future by storing the surplus of the harvest during times of plenty to help them through the times of hunger. How is it different? Well, first and foremost, Joseph reflected prayerfully on what God was saying and acted accordingly. He showed great bravery in so doing, because had he got it wrong, there was no doubt what the king of Egypt would do. And he showed perseverance in sticking with his task for many years. Secondly, the object of the exercise was not for himself, although during the process he did benefit. It was for all people, not only the people of Egypt, but even his own brothers who many years before had sold him into slavery. Therefore, making plans for the future is the right thing to do, provided we seek God's guidance and make them for the benefit of all, as he would want us to do. At this time of so much uncertainty, it would seem absolutely logical for all people to do this. After all, there aren't too many atheists in a lifeboat. If we don't, there is every likelihood in this imperfect world that our planning will be to the benefit of those who are strong enough to grab the life jackets. The last few weeks have been a great lesson for everyone about man's place in the world and what our priorities should be as individuals and as nations. These are things we must reflect prayerfully upon and act accordingly. And we can be reassured at all times by the comforting knowledge that God has the most amazing plans for all of us. We will never understand them on this earth, but by listening to him we can help him accomplish them. The important thing is to listen to him. As it says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely upon what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. And we are told by Jesus in John 14 of one of the plans that God ultimately has for us after that work is done. There are many rooms in my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's quite a promise that God has such a plan for us in heaven. Let us carry that thought with us as we seek to further his plans on earth. Amen. And if you would like to share your experiences of plans you've had to put on hold because of the lockdown and to pray about them or listen to others, please join us in the Zoom room at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, the 17th of May. It will be wonderful to see members of the church family we haven't seen for a long time. The access details are on the website. Now, if you click on the next link, Connie is going to pray. When I pray my own prayers in my head, I don't really need words. God understands me and can read my mind and my heart, so he knows what my prayers are. I'm sure most of you are like that. Finding the right words for written prayers is entirely different, particularly because they have to be words we all want to pray. And we do want to pray at the present time. But nothing readily came to me. I say nothing, but there were, oh, there were loads of hymns, 
other people's written prayers, psalms and Bible texts and lots of inspiring words and I was overwhelmed by it all. So I went for a walk in the woods. I've been doing that most days since lockdown and quite often before it. It's wonderful for clearing the head. So what did come to me was the really loud bird song. Not just some chirping, but a whole cacophony of singing, cawing, cheeping, calling, trilling and even some hammering from a woodpecker. The birds are not stuck for what to say to their creator. Neither should I be. So I will pray my prayer, what I want to say to God, and I hope it speaks for everyone else too. The good thing about cyber stuff is if you don't like something or don't agree, you can just stop listening to the recording and fill in your own words. So, let us pray. Loving and Eternal Father, we come to you today as we reach the end of our ninth week in lockdown. For some, this has been nine weeks indoors while they wait patiently for the news that they can go outside again. For us as others, this has meant what the guideline, guidelines have said, essential shopping and exercise once a day. More than that now, since the latest lockdown information, unless it's changed, changed again since I last wrote this. Yet others, it's been business as usual, but with social distancing and masks. It's also strange, also frightening. When will it end? When can we see our loved ones again and hug our grandchildren? And yet this dark cloud of coronavirus has also brought some truly amazing silver linings. And for these, Father, we give you thanks. Friendships with neighbours we've hardly ever met before. Appreciation of the beauty in the world as spring unfolds into early summer. And the time to notice that beauty. Clean air as the skies and roads are without the usual traffic. All the volunteering initiatives which have sprung up and the willingness of people to join them. New sounds to hear, now there is less traffic noise. Children laughing as they play outside in parks and gardens and discover things they'd never noticed before, making dens, rope swings, placing painted stones, making little fairy dens in tree trunks. And I've already mentioned the beautiful bird song from dawn till dusk. We have so much to be grateful for. This period of enforced inactivity has given us the time to reflect on what is important in our lives, and most of all, who is important. We have time to appreciate your unbelievable creation value our loved ones and appreciate those who until recently were termed public sector workers, cleaners, refuse collectors, shopkeepers, postmen and women, delivery drivers, police and fire services, teachers and many, many more. And of course, not forgetting our incredible and priceless NHS workers. They have turned out to be our heroes. Oh Lord, we pray we don't forget all of that when the crisis ends and that these people can get the respect and the salaries they deserve. Show us how to get closer to you and really listen to what you have to say. We all have the opportunity to make the world a better place, a cleaner place, a fairer place. Oh loving Father, so many plans have gone awry this last few months. Weddings, holidays, family celebrations, exams, the list is endless. Instead, we've been in our homes. Many, us have, many of us have spent the time decluttering and throwing out unwanted things. Dear God, help us to declutter our lives. 
Help us to get rid of what is not pleasing to you and give us the chance we need as a people to take stock and rebuild a better world. May we now reflect prayerfully as we make our future plans for when lockdown finally ends. We ask that you help us and guide us as a church, a nation and as a people. Here in Sandersted, most of us are comfortable, well fed and have homes and outdoor spaces. Many around the country and indeed the whole world are facing this crisis with very little in practical terms. Those who have no homes, those who rely on food hubs and inadequate benefits to survive, those who have struggled to get by even before coronavirus, struggle even more now. There are many casualties of this terrible disease, not just those who actually contract it, but those whose operations are postponed, those who are elderly and isolated from their families when they are vulnerable and their time on earth is short anyway. Oh, Father, protect and keep in your care all of these, your children, and show us how we can care for them too. I hope you are still with me, but before we end our prayers, let's take a moment of silence to think of anyone or any group we particularly want to bring to God. In the name of our loving Saviour, Jesus. Amen.